0: M S W media
1: Prevail, c'est un nouveau programme pour pro politique Histoire, la sécurité nationale Crimes organisés, d'argent souci Globale corruption, la lutte pour la démocratie Et maintenant, avec vous, votre anfitrión Grégolier Grégolier Welcome back to the fight. This time I know our side will win. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. Elisa Albert is here. Elisa is a novelist, a writer of short stories and essays, and has taught creative writing at the College of St. Rose and at Columbia. She's a very accomplished novelist. Her most recent novel, Human Blues, was named by Publishers Weekly, one of the top ten works of fiction published in 2022. Yeah, you know, she's good. She's she's accomplished and she's funny and smart. And, you know, she's a damn good writer. I met Elisa, I think, in 2012, I think that's when it was, at the Woodstock Literary Festival, where um, you know, we both had books out. Um, that was really cool, by the way, Woodstock Literary Festival. Um And as much as I enjoy talking to novelists about novel writing and literature and all that fun stuff, I wanted to have Elisa on today because she wrote a piece, a very short piece in tablet mag called An Open Letter to Hamas's Defenders. Um, The first three lines are, hi, terror apologist. So that gives you some idea of the tenor of the piece. I want to read just one of the paragraphs here. Okay, now I'm quoting. We weep for the plight of the Palestinian people and for the ignorance and naivete of so many who believe that anyone but Hamas is responsible for their current suffering. Someday, when this war we didn't want is over, I'd love to discuss the radicalization of the oppressed and the fomenting of extremism and Israeli intellectuals who have been warning against this very scenario for decades. When this war we did not want is over... We can grab coffee and talk about Iran and Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Jordan and Egypt and Yemen. We can talk about building terror infrastructure under a hospital, about the concept of quote-unquote martyrdom and propaganda. We can talk about squandered opportunities. We can talk about Hamas's misdirected slash stolen billions in aid. We can talk about means and ends and which ends justify which means. So, I read this piece and, you know, I've been reading a lot of stuff about the war, trying to understand it. Um, and this helped me understand it. So I really wanted to have her on to talk about, you know, kind of the impetus for writing this. And I learned two things. Um, first of all, her stepfather was an active member of Kibbutz Bieri from 1969 to 1980. And that's one of the kibbutzes where. The slaughters happened on October 7th by Hamas. The other thing I didn't know is that Elisa was in Israel when this happened. She and her mother were there, you know, visiting. They hadn't been there in a while and they were, um, well, I'll let her explain it on the interview, but she was there uh, when the attacks happened on the 7th. So, you know, um, she wasn't in the South, but she was still in Israel. Israel is not a very big country. So she has a better idea than most Americans what went on that day and i think it's it's really important to hear what she has to say so um i'm really grateful to her for coming on the podcast and talking about this i think that it's a difficult subject to talk about for a lot of reasons not least because every time you talk about it you're afraid you know to say the wrong thing i think a lot of people feel that way but it's important to talk about we have to keep talking about it there's too much at stake here and We just need to keep talking about it. We need to understand better what's happening. And we need to be able to curb and combat all of the anti-Semitism going on in the country and the world right now. I mean, it's really not great, Um, embarrassing, frankly, to be an American and and see all this stuff happening. So I think that talking about this is really, really important. And uh, yeah, I wanted to give her time on the on the podcast to talk so um there's not going to be any ads on this program today we're just going to go right through the interview so uh i didn't i don't know i just felt like i didn't want to disturb the flow of the interview with some you know commercial break not that we don't love our sponsors because we do shout out hello Fresh. just a couple quick announcements this is going to be the last show for two weeks three weeks i guess I'm taking the next two Fridays off, which is the 17th. And then I guess the 24th, the Prevail podcast will be back in December on the 1st of December, the Friday, December 1. That's a time period that encompasses Veterans Day, which is really Armistice Day. You know, the end of the First World War, the 11th minute of the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. That's when World War I ended. I'm reading a really good book about... The start of that war now called the Guns of August. And it's whew, a mind blow. God, just so well written. But I have that on my mind a lot and how little, little things, little tiny misunderstandings and petty grievances and the wrong people being in positions of power can totally screw up world affairs in a major, major way. And You know, when Jason Pack was on, he was arguing that this is a new period of history. But there's other people that argue that it's similar to the startup to the first world war, in that it's a multipolar world where you know there is no one hegemonic force, and therefore the other powers are jockeying for position. Germany, France, England, Russia. To a lesser degree, Austria jockeying for position and supremacy in Europe and therefore the world in 1914. And I hope that we're not <laughs> headed on that same direction. I really hope that we're not. The other day, of course, is Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday of the year. So I'm not going to be on here again until after Thanksgiving. I want to wish all of you listeners a happy Thanksgiving. Please know that I'm grateful for you for listening. I'm grateful for your support. I'm grateful to everybody who subscribes to the Prevail Substack, which is how I uh, keep the lights on, as they say. That's $6 a month, $55 for the year. I appreciate everybody that's done that. I appreciate everybody that reads and shares and listens to the work here. And I hope that, you know, wherever you are, you have a great holiday. And even though The world appears to be on fire right now, that you can find something, many things, to be thankful for. We'll be right back with Elisa Albert. Is online pornography ruining your social life? Can't stop consuming erotic content? Concerned about a loved one looking at X-rated videos? Hi. I'm Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, here to tell you about Second Coming, the new porn substitute app from NoFap Technologies. With Second Coming, you don't have to worry about worshiping graven images, because you won't see any. Here's how it works. Every time the user tries to access porn, the app redirects the browser to more acceptable content, like films about gladiators, the Wikipedia entry for Greco-Roman wrestling, high-res images of Michelangelo's David, or footage of Tim Tebow doing calisthenics. Porn addiction keeping you down? Rise again with Second Coming. Check out our page on OnlyFans. Second Coming. It's a revelation. And now, back to the show. Alisa Albert, welcome to Prevail. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to share your your experiences and your thoughts about the situation in Israel right now after the attacks on uh the hamas attacks on october 7th um you wrote this fantastic essay um, for Tablet uh called an open letter to hamas's defenders the first three words are hi terror apologist uh so and it it's very short but to the point and i i thought it was fant- just a wonderful piece of writing and i read this and i was like i want i, I would like her to come on the podcast and and talk about this if she would if she would like to and 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 come on you and i know each other a little bit in literary circles because we met at the woodstock writers festival whenever that was pre uh, 45 as you call him in, the, in, in, in 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 the before times um yeah so you know you've got now but i i'm also interested in your view um, as a novelist, because I think that novelists have a way of looking at things that's a little bit different, that takes all of the information and can crunch it in ways that other people maybe can't as easily. So um, my first question is, and I know now that that you were there, um, you were in Israel uh, in October. So yeah. um, let's start with that. Talk about what that was like for you.
0: Um, bizarre. Um... Obviously unforeseen. I, it was uh, it was supposed to be just a, a delightful trip. Uh, I was with my eighty year old mom, uh, with whom I first spent uh, time in Israel in nineteen eighty six when I was going into second or third grade. And we were going to see the installation of the Codex Sassoon in the Anu Museum in Tel Aviv, the Museum of the Jewish People, the oldest known, most complete Hebrew Bible in existence that was bought at auction a few months ago, earlier this year for $36 million and donated to this museum and it was going to be installed. And so we were going to take part in those ceremonies and my mom said, come on, let's go. We haven't, you know, it's been a long time. And I, I, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't, couldn't say no. I, she said, when are we going to get to do this again? Let's go. Uh, It had been some years since I'd spent time in Israel. I've been yearning to be there every, every part of my life I've spent time there. I find it very difficult to leave. It feels like a a real home to me. Uh, So we were there to have a great time, see friends, see family, have, have a, have a, just a. A wonderful celebratory time. It was Sukkot, which is the harvest festival. Delightful, extra delightful time to be there. And about a week into our visit, uh, we woke to rocket fire over Tel Aviv early on the morning of the seventh. Um, rocket fire is 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 just a part of life in Israel. Israel has the defensive shield to shoot down rockets because it's such a regular part of life. So believe it or not, I went back to sleep uh, that morning. Yeah. Woke up, looked out the window. Oh, shit, rocket fire. All right, well, I don't hear sirens. Uh, I'm going back to sleep. Slept for an hour or so. Really got up, and then it it began to dawn on all of us what was going on. Um, and then spent the next few days in and out of bomb shelters, wandering around Tel Aviv, kind of against the advice of most people. Everyone, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I just I, I, uh, you know, the expression I wouldn't die on that hill. Yeah. Uh, I I would I would very much die on that hill. Uh, is is my feeling. So I was. Everybody kept saying, "Oh, I'm so sorry you're there." I, oh my god. Oh my. I'm like I'm not. You know, this is this is very real and it's very horrible. But I I was grateful to be there and it felt it felt meaningful and. I don't know. I, 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 I think I have a, I have work to do now, you know, having been there. I think I was, I, for a reason is a strange thing to say, but I'm not sorry. I was there. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got home, quote unquote home. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels strange to call this my home because I feel very much like that's my home. Um, but here we are. So.
1: Yeah. I do, I do understand. I think that that feeling of you know, that you want to be there. Like, I mean, I was in New York City at 9-11, which is, the, you know, mm-hmm. what the, the they attack everyone's comparing. It to. I wasn't anywhere near the buildings, but I was still there. And I'm, you know, especially every year that goes by, I'm, I'm more grateful that I was there. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, as I move farther away from the city, fewer and fewer people that I know were. So I get that, the, the idea of being a witness and, you know, telling everybody what, you know, what happened. So, mm-hmm. um you know, I think that, it's really important to talk about this. I think it's hard to talk about, you know, for for Americans, certainly. That's what we're seeing now. And I think the, and and it's hard to know how to think about it and how to approach thinking about it. So Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, since this happened, I've really been reading a lot and trying to, and interviewing people and trying to get as much information as I can, you -hmm. know, to get a handle on the situation. But, you know, the first thing I want to say- If you
0: ever get a handle on the situation, let everyone know, because we've been (laughs) trying for- quite a while
1: well at least to understand as best i can the the intricacies the intricacies yeah. of you know sort of what's going on and the sides and who's you know what the what the grievances are and all that yeah. and all that kind of stuff so um and your piece really helped crystallize it for me which which is which is you know thank you for that
0: i'm so glad and you're welcome and you know uh it it's it's funny maybe because uh, i found myself <laughs> in dialogue with people on Instagram, which is my social media drug of choice. And, and I felt, you know, it's my husband saying, get off Instagram, get off Instagram. It's, you know, you're in a lot of pain. It's hurting you. It's like, you know what? I, I can't be on the front lines. I can't even be there right now, but I can be here and I can stand up and use my tools, which are words uh, in this way. So I was engaging and engaging and engaging and that piece actually came out of you know three o'clock in the morning, unable to sleep, haunted by images and and horrors, and and responding to some ostensibly well-meaning rando acquaintance yeah. uh, on Instagram saying, "I you know I I I really think the only way forward is for everyone to have empathy for each other and just some kind of mealy." You know, that's a lovely idea. Thank you so much, random person who has no fucking idea. Can I say fucking on this
1: Absolutely. Fuck yeah.
0: Who has no fucking idea what you're talking about. Like, that's a lovely idea. Thank you for your very easy surface engagement. And for, you know, (laughs) have have you let the IDF know that empathy is the way? Like, (laughs) please be in touch with them. I really appreciate it. So that piece actually came out of uh, a, a... a chat with somebody whose name I don't even know. Um, some okay. Hudson Valley soap maker, yoga teacher, God only knows. I'm sorry. See, that's my anger. <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths. It doesn't it doesn't help to lash out. But there's just a lot of bullshit flying around, yes. and yeah, and shallow, just offensively surface. Yeah. Um. You know, I. I don't know. I, empathy is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I'm for it, but to to sort of like toss that out, like, oh, do you feel better now? Um, cool. Anyway, we have some serious problems. Uh, some of us aren't so lucky as to be sitting in our cozy little enclaves lecturing others about empathy. Like some of us were ripped limb from limb, including people I know, relatives, Jewish Jewish community in the diaspora is not a huge, huge number of people, even though we seem to be everywhere, even though at the risk of inflaming anti-Semites, we do seem to dominate every industry um, because we are awesome. Uh, but also complicated and human and fraught and not a monolith. And anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. No,
1: it's fine. You're actually, I have a list of questions and you're hitting <laughs> them in order. So I don't okay. even have to talk. Um, I was going to ask you, what ins- was there something specific that inspired you? And yes. Yeah, you so
0: a little exchange, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, I tweaked it and I, over the next few days i was i've been in dialogue with so many friends and and family members and we're all so distraught and we're in so much pain and a lot of that pain is compounded by how Absolutely clueless and yet entitled to vehement opinion. So many people in our secular circles, in our academic circles, in our creative circles, in our art and literature circles, in our social justice circles seem to be. So I was sending that piece out. I just cut and pasted it, and I was like, "Here, send this." And everybody was like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." So finally, I I realized, you know, 24 hours later, oh, I should just send this to this editor I know, and uh, if if she can use it she's welcome to it so i'm glad i'm glad it you know i'm glad it got out
1: yeah no it's a great like i said it's a great piece we'll link to it in the on the show notes um and i think what you're you know you were talking before about you know that you're not there on the front lines but in a sense you are because this is really an information war in a lot of ways i mean i think and i think that's part of the the issue that we're seeing now is that by and large western you know democracies have not treated the information war as a real thing And, um, you know, having a lot of I'm by no means an expert, but I know now a little bit how to look for it and where it emanates from and therefore how to sort of reconstruct it backwards to find out what's going on. There's so much misinformation, there's so much disinformation, and there's propaganda disguised as sort of humanitarianism. Which is the thing that people like that who are, I think, probably very well meaning and do have real empathy and feel for everybody feel, you know, and it's tapping into that in the same way that, you know, the the people in Ukraine uh, who are like, we just need to have peace, man. We need peace. We need ceasefire. And it's like, yeah, if you do that, Putin wins. So, no. But right. it sounds great because it's peace, but it's not.
0: It really does. I would yeah. love that. Let's have peace. Like, that's, yeah. that's what we want, <laughs> please. Right. yeah. Would that it were.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've also seen people, you know, actively rooting for Hamas, which that's to me just completely batshit. I mean, you know, it, it's all there. But it, that's what I've seen. And I've seen also the kind of like weirdo right wing people that are always bad. Tweeting about free Palestine, free Palestine, free Palestine, twenty four seven. So whenever that group is on something, that really makes me, you know, give pause and say, okay, why are they doing this? What's going on here? Um, this feels to me like part of a coordinated thing, and uh, you know, with related to Ukraine. Um, in some way, given the the bad guys, you know, being buddies and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, but are there any trends that you've seen in the in the information space that we should be aware of that that are just you're just like, what the you know, what is this bullshit? Yeah.
0: yeah, it's what you say. You know, it's people who have a social justice bent and who are sort of like curious, but not that interested, not interested enough to really start to un tangle or, you know, peel away the layers and layers of history and information and facts and, and on the other hands, and, um, but interested enough or curious enough to say like, oh no, people are suffering. Like, I don't like that. Like, let's stop suffering, you know? So there's a real easy surface engagement that, that I think is, is obvious and it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And it's, uh, and then I think there's a cognitive dissonance element too, um, of 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 not being able to to separate things out, you know. For example, Fox News right now, what I've seen, you know, what I've seen is like they're they're right on about Israel, and and it's disturbing when people or entities with whom you usually disagree, yeah. with whom you usually really really disagree. Are, are suddenly, I've seen that with a few different people. I mean, I could name names, but, you know, figures, public intellectuals with whom I usually agree. And it's like, no, you have this wrong, or you're not even entitled to have an opinion about this. Why are you talking about this? Um, or Or public intellectuals with whom I usually disagree being like, Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> but unfortunately, the message is tainted because it comes from somebody who's anti-queer, anti-abortion, anti, you know, yeah. so it's I I think that I think that if you know, this is what I think we've all been talking about this for years, like at least since 45, uh, the information war, you you know, you've probably seen seen it inside out. We I, that's uh, the 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 45's ascendant election was yeah. was directed that way and i and and what i've heard for years and now i see it in a in a personal way not that 45 didn't offend me personally but this is this is such a you know um it it could have been me you know i could have been in one of those videos i could have been i you know not that that's why we care about people because they could have been us but um but my point is that uh, the the lack of critical thinking, the inability to yeah. separate out and the cognitive dissonance involved with saying, oh no, like Tanahisi nehisi Coates, like you're awesome. Like, I totally agree with you. You're a good guy. Um, so you must be right about this. Yeah. Um, or, oh no, Ben Shapiro, like you're kind of a douche. I don't like what you have to say about most things and I don't like your methodology and in, in debate, but like, you're right about this. So like, shit, are we the yeah. bad guys? Like it's so hard. Cause we want to, I think it's human nature. We want to plug into something, have our questions answered, have the complexities smoothed out and be able to move on with our day and not worry, not trouble ourselves any further, but we can't do that right
1: now. It's interesting that you bring that up. The, the, the flip the topsy-turvy nature of this because i remember that also after 9 11 it was just you know reading things like oh this guy who usually i hate like even right now brett stevens is like right on point i'm like well oh my god what am i what is this broken clock kind of thing going on broken clock but
0: thank you i think
1: one of the issues is that you know this isn't a left versus right thing it's so it it's complicated there's yeah. no obvious, you know, w- with abortion, it's very obvious where our sympathies should be. Um, w- with this, you know, it's up in the air a little bit. It's not as obvious to, to people. So because you have like the squad who are clearly, you know, <laughs> you know, Rashid Fleab uh, tweeting out this river by the sea thing, uh, river to the sea, you know, you know
0: Shemo, Shemo, we say in Hebrew, may her name be erased. Yomach.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about some of the because, again, one of the one of the things that I like to do on this podcast in general is admit when I don't know stuff, Mm because I think it makes people say that it's okay that they don't know everything. And this is a situation where it's, you know, it's impossible to know everything. And if we don't ask questions and we don't get explanations for Mm -hmm. even basic things, you know, we're going to get confused and and create more chaos when we shouldn't. So talk about that saying a little bit, like, what is it? Where does it come from? What does it mean? And why is it offensive?
0: What? Which river?
1: One? River to the sea.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Uh, from the river to the sea. I think. I think the person you referenced, the the congress person uh, whose whose name I hope is erased from from history. Uh, she she claimed it's oh, it's an aspirational. It's it's a it's a metaphorical idea. It's not. It's a it's a it's a it has a very clear history. And um, the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea is all of Israel's territory. And when you say from the river to the sea, what you're saying Palestine will be free, which is a lovely uh, lovely slogan because it rhymes. Mm-hmm. it's cute. it has a nice like rhythm to it. I was very disturbed last week because I was watching so many videos and in in, in in taking so much that I actually got it stuck in my head. Oh God, which is very weird and speaks to our moment in a way that I think is like oops i'm a nazi i'm just doing the dishes why am i chanting this um it, it means from the river to the sea palestine will be free uh, that israel will not exist anymore yeah and that the millions of israelis many of whom are jews some of whom are muslim some of whom are christians some of whom are foreign nationals some of you know it's a it's a it's a pluralistic democracy um the only of its kind in the middle east that it will no longer exist. And then the question becomes, where where would you suggest all the, those people go? One of the most effective things I've seen in recent weeks is people using the Socratic method with protesters, with people chanting these things. Like, oh, so like, what do you mean by that? And like, just just asking questions, not saying, hey, you're an idiot or hey, you're an asshole, but like, oh, so like what happens to the Jews then? Like, where do they go? Oh, like who who's governing that? That space then. Oh, it's Hamas. Oh, oh. So they just let all the Jews leave then, even though remove all Jews from Earth is in their charter. Like what you know, like. And when you push people a little bit, they're just kind of like, oh, I don't know. I guess, yeah, sure, maybe. Oh, I never thought of that. (laughs) You know. Um, So from the river to the sea is a is actually has a genocidal intent behind it. Um, And I just I don't think most. Adorable no, I don't Brooklyn lefties know that, or maybe they're just, they don't want to, they just, oh, no, not really. They don't mean it. You know, they don't really mean kill all the Jews. Well, they kind of just did that and like celebrated it. Right. Like, and their leader
1: was on TV two days ago, reiterating exactly. the policy. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm I, I, I'm uh, I'm not one to quote Oprah that often, but uh, when people show you who they are, you should believe them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I think what a lot of people don't know too about Gaza is that Israel unilaterally withdrew in 2005, um, helped run a fair election in which Hamas was elected, unfortunately, and was gone. Uh, and within literally two hours, found itself under rocket fire so hence the blockade i mean it's like any measures that israel has had to put in place um to sort of like contain or wall off or you know blockade or uh have been in direct response to being attacked yeah it's not some situation where it's like let's let's oppress these people we hate them. We, you know, a lot of the people who were a lot of the terrorists who were killed on the seventh by people trying to defend themselves, uh, were found to have work permits to work in Israel on them, um, which is, which is a, a hard pill to swallow. Um, and at least one of the leaders of the massacre was a, was in prison in Israel, uh, for years and was released with a thousand other Israeli prisoners in exchange for Gilad Shalit in 2012. I mean, this is intractable. I mean, you know, I, I, I find it, I find it adorable and enraging that there are people who seem to think that there's like an easy answer here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's very, very complicated. And one of the things that makes it complicated uh, is the Netanyahu aspect yeah i mean he's i've talked about him a lot on the podcast on on my live show he's just he's just a criminal and is the yeah he's the trump of of israel and and worse in some ways yeah Um, worse
0: because he doesn't have a spray tan and he's not that stupid
1: yeah yeah he you know he's dangerous and he belongs in he he belongs right and israeli people didn't like him before this (laughs) happened that all summer there have been huge, huge protests all
0: year. Huge. That was, I had plans to go Saturday night to protest in Tel Aviv with a friend. I was really looking forward to it. I was like going to write about it. I was, you know, and I'm sitting in a bomb shelter Saturday morning thinking, Oh no, I hope the protest isn't canceled tonight. (laughs) Like I just wasn't, the protest movement has been beautiful, enormous and, and really getting somewhere. It seemed really doing something
1: and now, I mean, if we didn't like him before, we certainly don't like him now because th- this, his primary responsibility, as I understand it, is to defend everybody. And you just fuck that up as royally as it can be fucked up. So Terrible. not only and now also not only that, but I don't I'm not qualified to speak about what they're doing in the war. Um, and I have high estimation and opinion of the Israeli intelligence services generally. And I think that if they're listening to intelligence and trying to kill as few people as they can while rooting out Hamas. They're probably doing that, but optically, yeah. you know, since the since the hospital, um, which I think, you know, and all of that came out of the Hamas, the health ministry, which is run by Hamas, that changed public opinion very, very quickly. I hope so. I mean, but. In the wrong way. I think it it that that's the thing that. that oh,
0: you're saying you're saying you think. I, I, are you talking about the hospital that they claimed Israel bombed? But yes. It to be an errant missile from Hamas, and yes. it was. Yes.
1: Yeah. Because initially, when that happened, nobody knew anything. There was a guy on Twitter with a blue check that wound up being some rando who yeah. said it was this and that, and it, it was like the the Winston Churchill line about you know the 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 a lie is halfway around the world before the truth can put its pants on or whatever. Yeah. The saying is and putting that back in the bottle is hard it, yeah it, and um I, I think biden tried to do that uh so bb has all of this and there's also the point that i that worries me is that he's said basically well when the war is over then we'll that in, that incentivizes him to extend the duration of the war so i don't know what's your take on him like how do we how what do we how are we supposed to think about this
0: i hope uh, him and and trump and that and that congressperson who's claiming from the river to the seas some kind of metaphorical idea i hope they all i hope they all have a grand old time in hell together i i you know i just it's it's israel is a deeply imperfect democracy um like all democracies and and uh, had a huge struggle ahead before October 7th. And now what I'm hearing and seeing is that people are, people are hunkered down in solidarity together. Um, Jews, Muslims, Israeli, Arabs, Druze. I mean, it's like on the ground from what I hear. Um, It's it, it, all the other issues have sort of paused. It's, it's really about like, how are we going to get to the South and pick, The crops that need to be picked so that they won't all go to waste and how are we going to take care of you know hundreds of abandoned dogs and how are we gonna and who's taking care you know and when are we going to get our hostages home and who needs what and there's i mean there's hundreds of thousands of refugees within israel from the south israel evacuated everyone from the south um the hotel that I was staying at in Tel Aviv emptied out of tourists almost immediately and filled up with refugee families. Um, so there's, I mean, almost everybody in Israel is helping in some way they're hosting They're, I mean, it's, everybody has a kid who's been called up. Everybody knows somebody who's was killed, who was, it's a, you know, uh, it's a tiny country. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't answer your question about
1: BB. No, no, I, I, thank, I I'm glad you're talking about this because this it it helps make you know the situation on the ground there is is obviously very important and not being reported on enough. We know what's going on in Gaza. We don't know what's going on in Israel as much. I mean, it, that's what I've seen anyway. Um, yeah. Just the general, certainly on 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 social media. So it's interesting to see how that is. And but what it sounds like, at least you know, to the it is a it could be a unifying thing. In the way again, nine eleven was a unifying thing that was. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I, I hope the nine eleven parallel doesn't extend to sort of how nightmarish and protracted and 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 shitty yeah. <laughs> the military situation was thereafter, and how many. Uh, yeah, I but but and I'm not qualified either to speak to the IDF situation and what they're doing, what their strategy is, but I do know that. Hamas is not an army, like we're used to the idea of an army, they don't, they wear civilian clothes, and they embed themselves in civilian populations, they build tunnels, they've used billions and billions of dollars in aid, both from Israel and from the United States and from Qatar and from, you know, to to build tunnels underneath, I mean, and to, to dismantle Infrastructure to build rockets and to hoard fuel, and you know it's like there's aerial photographs of here's half a million gallons of fuel that Hamas is stockpiling to fire rockets at Israel, while they're claiming they need humanitarian aid because they're running out of fuel. It's a, it's a it's a farce. It's this is not this is not an enemy that is like straightforward. Um, I, maybe no enemy is ever trustworthy, but this is this is not a war that that is gonna look good for Israel on the surface because who, what army in the history of the world has ever let the enemy know beforehand when and where and how they are going to strike? I mean, Israel is doing everything it can to minimize civilian casualties, but that's not how Hamas plays it. That's, you know, they've been preventing their yeah. own people from leaving. I just, it's just so complicated and um,
1: my chest gets very tight. I don't want your chest to get tight, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we're, that we're talking this through. I want to stay on Hamas for a minute because I feel like it has to be re that they went and did this thing, this horrible, atrocious, I mean, barbaric, oh. just horrible, you know, unspeakable thing. And yeah. There's no ever justification for what they did, no matter of anything. Um, and they have pledged that they're going to keep doing these things. Right, right. Until, I guess, Israel doesn't exist anymore, which, spoiler alert, that's not going to happen. So, you know, that that's what you're dealing with. It's like a, it's a horror movie villain. And until it is killed, it will keep trying to kill you. So, you know, the, they can't just sit down and do nothing. Right. There has to be some method of of rooting these guys out and maybe the intelligence services are good enough that they know who everybody is and they can get to them um you know I don't know
0: well there's this horrible idea you know this expression that's been applied to situations long before this but this idea that like you cut off the head of the beast uh, but another head grows in its place um yeah and you know, the origins of Hamas, the oppression of Palestinian people, the, you know, the conflict going back decades, the retaliation and the retaliation and the retaliation and the retaliation. You know, this is something that that there was a beautiful piece uh, in a Jewish telegraphic agency ran it. I don't know if it ran anywhere else by David Grossman, who's an Israeli novelist, wonderful novelist. His books have all been translated to English. A lot of them, many of them have at least. And I highly recommend his, his work. And he speaks very beautifully from an Israeli point of view about just the intractability of this and that, you know, we have our, we have our work cut out for us now, but like, then what, And then what, and then what, and how are we ever going to get to a point where it's enough? It's done. You know, we can't, people calling for ceasefire. It's very, it's very quaint. It's lovely. It's like moon and meadow, empathy, ceasefire. Like, thank you. That's great. I don't want to be raped to death. You know, I don't want my babies beheaded. I don't want my grandparents executed. You know, I don't know what to tell you, but like, I can't. I can't like cease fire and like chill out and wait for that shit to keep happening. You know,
1: the, the, the only thing that will happen in a ceasefire, and and this isn't just this is Stephen Ross, the former ambassador who negotiated um, one of the original, you know, the Clinton era agreement that wound up not working with the Palestinians. As well. He, someone who knows what he's talking about, said wrote in the New York Times that the ceasefire is can't work. Because what'll happen is Hamas will move everything around, they'll get more weapons in, and that's it. And the hostages are gonna be there for longer. And it doesn't help Israel at all. It's not gonna help the people of Gaza at all. It's so, only gonna help Hamas. But again, it sounds nice.
0: It sounds great. Like, yeah. thank everyone. That's a that's a lovely idea. Like let's 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 hope that can happen someday. We also have to talk about Iran. We have to talk about who's behind this, yeah. you know. Most Palestinian people want peace. I believe most yes, I Israelis agree. want peace. Most of us would really like to work something out where we can prosper alongside each
1: other. But
0: there's larger forces at play here.
1: I think the only—I mean—the leadership has to change. Certainly, Hamas—you can't negotiate with Hamas. They're not going to—they're not going to do it. That's just never going to happen. It's—it's it's a non-starter. And, you know, BB and in the in the far right there, are that's that's bad, too. You have to it's got to be fresh faces, I think, on both sides, which is great for me to say here in upstate New York. But, you know, totally. how is that going to happen? Um, and I've I don't know. I wondered since since the thing happened, I was like, God, what are they going to do? What would I do? You know, right. if you have these hostages there and you have to defend and you're, right. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, well, what do you do? Suspension.
0: And, and in the meantime, being vilified in the court of public opinion and on yeah. social media, and like losing the information war, and yeah, you know, it's I it's, uh, I don't know. I wish I had the answers, but um, I do know that like, as a Jew we read, we read this book over and over and over again. And there's like a lot of stories and history in this book. And there's a lot of really unlikely victories over some really ferocious, intractable uh, enemies and, and people seeking our destruction. Like this is not a new scenario for us. Um, And I just have to do my part every day, I think is where I, I land, you know, I can't put on a uniform. I'm not O O type blood. I can't offer my body right now, but I, I can use words. And so.
1: The words are important. The words are really, really important because the, right now they're losing, Israel's losing the information war right now. They just are. And, you know, That has to change. That's the first thing that has to change. I mean, what do you think of the job uh, Biden has done? Because I think he's been fantastic. I think that him going there and all that. I mean, you were there when he was there. Right. So talk about that a little bit. What was that like?
0: You know, people were so happy. It was like because they've been it's how we feel after Trump. You know, when when Biden came on the scene, it's just like, oh, thank God, like a grown up. (laughs) Yeah. A human being. Uh, and and that's how I think it, it felt to Israelis that it, that it was just like, look, it's like a statesman showing up and shaking people's hands and embracing people and expressing empathy and expressing caution and expressing a grown up, um, not an angry, disenfranchised terrorist on either side, not a not a criminal, uh, you know, seeking to cover his own ass, uh, no matter who pays the price. Um, so I, I think he's, I think he's done a great job and I think Blinken's doing a great job. I don't, you know, what do I know about what goes on in, in, uh, in rooms behind closed doors, but, but it, it, at least on the surface, it, it seems like we have some adults, um, yeah. at some important tables.
1: I think so too. I think they're. I think that he influenced the, the space between the attack and to try to minimize the, you know, not to lash out quickly in an anger and, and stuff like that. And there's floating around. I, I think they're probably behind the scenes trying to get him to step down. BB that, that there was something that came out of the white house where they sort of were talking about what was going to be next there. And uh, I don't know. I feel like that's the direction. Meanwhile, Biden's getting you know, the poll. number. I don't like poll numbers, certainly a year before an election, but He's taken a beating now in the poll numbers because a lot of the kids, the young voters now uh, have been, uh, you know, I was a young voter once. I voted for <laughs> Ralph Nader in 2000. I know how this shit you works, do, you know. Too. yeah. <laughs> uh, that
0: was my first election. I was so excited.
1: <laughs> I lived in New York, but, you know, so it didn't matter you as much. But like, too. you know, did you go to the, to, did you see him at MSG? It was really no, awesome. No, there There's a lot of people, a lot of famous people at that thing that barely reported on. Yeah, it was interesting.
0: I like that guy. But yeah, we we were in New York. Good.
1: That's good. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and now the poll numbers are going down and it's the young people. And if the young people don't come back, that throws the whole thing into, uh, you know, into turmoil a little bit, because I think as long as Biden is alive and sentient, he's going to win unless there's some sort of black swan event of which this could potentially be Um, something beyond his control, like. It's ridiculous to me that people in the United States are complaining to Biden what Netanyahu's doing. Like, he, he's not the president of Israel? I don't know. It's strange.
0: It is. It's very strange. And I can't, I'm, I feel like I'm so arrested in this moment that I can't even worry about that yeah. election. Yeah. It seems very far away. I just, you know, so many things are going to happen between now and then.
1: And if you think about, you know, if you pull back and think about the strategy of this and who it helps and who it benefits, you yeah. talked about Iran, you talked about, I talked about Putin, because I can't stop talking about Putin. But, you know, the Hamas leaders met with them, yeah. you know, this year, like recently. And this is helpful for both of those people. I mean, you have, uh, Israel was going to sign the agreement with Saudi Arabia. Now yeah. that's, a, that's a, that, that helps Iran right
0: yeah people this is not a coincidence the timing of this doesn't no. seem like a coincidence it no. was right before yeah that was going to happen that was
1: clearly the trigger i think but it, and it helps putin because now everyone's paying attention to israel and not so much in ukraine poor zelensky is running around terrified that everybody's going to stop giving money there that is a we have to win that or uh, you know democracy is fucked i think um mm-hmm. that's super important now that's taken a back seat and it, you know if the if biden's poll numbers are i don't think i don't think this is a blip i think he's going to be fine just to be clear but if that really does hit and we get tra- this is a mm-hmm. look at all these things that have happened because of a terrorist attack and it's like when are we going to wake up and not give the terrorists what they want i think that's one thing we can do is not give them what they want uh, that's helping defeat them on some level i don't know It's, it's, it's
0: strange to me that like, we're on the brink of World War Three. And again, we have like the proposed annihilation of the Jews on the line here, which is what happened in the last World War as well. I mean, like, this idea of like, no Jews, no news is really interesting to me too, because there's a lot of shit going on in the world. Um, There are populations being massacred. There's genocide happening in places that we don't think that much about. We're not that interested in. Don't make it onto our protest signs and don't have like an Instagram heft behind them. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot too, and, you know, probably because I'm a Jew and I care about being a Jew and I'm an identified, you know, living Jew, you know, what is it? what is it about us like what is the deal why are we this important to people you know in a bad way um or in a good way it's uh it's a it's a it's a big mystery last week i i was i was thinking a lot about how in judaism we don't proselytize there's no proselytizing in judaism mm-hmm. yep. it's not allowed uh, and i and i was i was thinking on a one of my many dog walks last week, like, I, like, what like, is that? Why? Like, like, are we historically like just going way back? We're like, we don't want you. We're good. Just leave us alone. You know, is that why, like, are we, are, do we seem like, you know, like are we resented on some deep unconscious level
1: because we don't
0: want anyone to join us? We're not trying to get you. We just want to like do our thing, leave us alone.
1: I think the proselytizers are also are, you know, the proselytizers are annoying you know i don't think that that's what it is I, I i don't think anybody likes the knocks on the door and the you know come to jesus stuff so
0: i've been wondering though you know i mean most 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 uh, prominent religions i mean we're an ethno religion you don't have to there's no prerequisite of a belief in anything you're a Jew, whether or not you believe in God. I've been hearing a lot of that lately from very secular assimilated Jews like I'm not religious or like I'm an atheist. It's like it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's not what Judaism is, but I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about that it's uh there's something I'm just you know there's a there's the political stuff is 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 overwhelming and it's fascinating and and endless. but um you know spiritually, this has just been a really a a dark and and huge reckoning and and it's epigenetically triggering and it's 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 deep it's uh there's a lot going on here and i'll let you know if i ever figure it out
1: it it goes but i mean it go it is deep and and long and it harkens back to a lot of awful things which um you know on the topic of of the differences between the major religions until very recently lending money at interest was considered usury usury i can't say that word and prohibited by the church so anybody who was christian at all anywhere was not allowed ever to do it right but you needed the money to so so jewish populations did that not because for any other reason other than they were allowed to
0: right and we weren't allowed to own land
1: yeah so So it's like like, what else you could yeah let's go and and you know and then when usually when they the Kings of these places owed too much money. That's when they were like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. You know, so it's all about that. It's all about these horrible Kings being
0: awful. I mean, we are we're traditionally scapegoated in any civilization, any culture, any country it's, you know, so there's just a lot going on here. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's beyond the political and it's beyond spiritual and it's beyond historical. It's, it's, It's so deep and that's where it gets overwhelming. And, and I feel like I have to put it down for a moment or two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you do. It's good. (laughs) It'll still be there tomorrow. Unfortunately.
0: Exactly. Exactly. There's a, there's a line in the Talmud that is oft cited. It's, it's, it's a very useful idea. And it says like, you are not responsible for fixing the world, but you are also not entitled to desist from trying
1: i like, like that that's you good
0: have yeah. to, you have to show up and offer what you can but you can't do it all and you're not going to do it all and it's not your job and it's impossible for any one of us you know
1: yeah yeah i like that that's a good that's a good way of looking at it it's very wise
0: it's so let, let's let no, end
1: fun. yeah <laughs> <laughs> they should there should be a holy book around that yeah so, um yeah it's good let's end with this with this question because I think this is also important like the the there's so many there's a there's a spike in anti-semitic attacks right now all over the in the United States which is fucking I can't you know it's boggling my mind frankly uh I thought we were past this and I guess you know we're clearly we're not if we want to be allies and help um we non-Jew what can we do is there anything that we can do that would be helpful what what's the way that we can help? The most.
0: I think that's a beautiful question, and I think that question itself is very helpful. Asking that question is 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 a huge step, and and appreciated. Um, you know, people who want to go a real extra mile. I've I've heard about some Gentiles putting mezuzahs up on their doors to make to make Jews feel safer, and and I've heard of some Jews taking down their mezuzahs right now. I think there's an organization. Um, there's many good organizations, and I don't know. I can I can send you some I like a lot. You could link to them. Um, yeah, sure. There's one called Memory M E M R I, uh, and their whole mission, all they do, is translate media uh, from Arabic, uh, so that so that we can see, for example, uh, Al Jazeera will use the same uh, graphic for a piece, uh, but the English publication is very different from the Arabic publication. Mm. Uh, The English publication might be like friendly and, you know, uh, sort of middle of the road and no big. And then the Arab, uh, the Arabic version could be very propaganda inflammatory. Um, And so all this organization does is, is translate Arabic media to show what, what propaganda is being used and how it's being used and Uh, So we can sort of try to understand a little bit more what we're not seeing um, and how, how this is, how this is happening, you know, how people get radicalized, how people, you know, start to think that jihadist terror is a cool liberatory thing, how people can demonize each other in these ways and and there are a lot of, I'll send you some links. There's some great organizations supporting people on the ground, um, Palestinians and Israelis on the ground, Israeli Arabs, people working together who want peace, who want to coexist, who want to cooperate and collaborate and, and not align themselves anywhere near the extremists and in, in their respective
1: cultures. Thank you. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? You're, you said you're on Instagram.
0: I'm on Instagram. I'm on, I'm on anywhere books are sold. I mean, if you like novels <laughs> and novels, I'm having a hard time focusing on novels right now, but, uh, but yeah, I'm around.
1: Yeah. We like novels on this podcast. We like novels and novelists on this podcast. We, we don't you. get to talk to them as often as we would like, but, uh,
0: <laughs> it's um, I, uh, yeah, I'm glad I got caught in a war zone. It's nice to see you.
1: <laughs> That's what it, whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes. Um, so uh, is there anything else you'd like to add as a, as a closing thought before we, we, uh, we close today?
0: I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as we sign off, but for now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. I know this is like I said at the beginning, this is hard to talk about. I know it's, you know, you were there. There's, it brings up a lot of stuff I'm sure. And I appreciate you coming on and and helping, you know, teaching me what's going on. And uh, teaching the listeners, too. So thank you so much for taking the time today.
0: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Okay. Lisa Albert, thanks so much. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fossa. Serena Zabrisky, Marie Cast, and Martha Acuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hawkey, Kenai Williams, Kimberly Johnson, and everyone else at MSW Media. If you'd like to support this program, get three friends to subscribe. The more downloads I get, the better the show does. You can also subscribe to The 5.8, the live YouTube show I do with my friend Stephanie Koff, a.k.a. LB. Tune in tonight for your Friday night hang. Most importantly, please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $6 monthly or $55 yearly subscription funds my work on the column and the podcast Visit GregOliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Be kind to each other. Try and enjoy yourself. And until next time, we shall prevail.
0: MSW Media